Hello and welcome to another Irish Film London podcast. I'm Neve Brannigan and I'm joined with the head of Irish Film London, Jerry Maguire. And before we hand you over to today's episode, myself and Jerry are going to chat through all things film and TV this week. So, Jerry, you're back with me this week. I was all alone last time. I know. And I'm so sorry to have left you, Neve. That's okay. You're welcome back anytime. Um, and before <laughs> last week's episode, I briefly chatted about the Galway Film Festival. So, tell me, how was your flat? experience yeah I mean my flag experience was a good one like most people it was an online only experience um so I think we talked about this really briefly the last time I was on but um the FLA was able to confirm a program of events for people quite late because of the changing goalposts for um for lockdown regulations and who can go to events and where they can be and so on. Um, but the, and you know, they were they were able to do a few live like in-person screenings in places like Fatherbrook Park um, in Galway, but most of the festival was online. So I did my festival online um, and I actually did most of my festival from my mum and dad's place in Fermanagh. So I watched like mo- all of the films that I watched were watched in between like running around with my kids and my cousins and stuff um, around a house in Lisnesky. So you couldn't get them all to sit down and watch some really intense shorts and documentaries and no. Nave, I couldn't get them to, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to get them to sit through a meal together. Like <laughs> not, they're not going to sit through a film. They're like, no, it's just no. Um, <laughs> but the flower, the flower was good. The flower selection was, was excellent. Um, uh, you know, they really knocked it out of the park. I think, there was a really, really strong showing of Irish and international films, um, international films with an Irish connection, I guess. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed um, the Andrea Riseborough film by new director Stacey Gregg called Here Before, mm. um, which was really, really tense thriller. Um, I've spoken to some people about who've also saw it at Galway. I've spoken to them about it in the meantime, and we all agree that, like, it's a film that William at, uh, at Galway, when he introduced it to people, he said, this is a thriller where the less you know going into it, the better. And that's absolutely the case. It was really, really beautiful to go through it. There was, um, there was a moment where things sort of unravel and become clear and like the, the truth of the matter is revealed and it's somehow much more devastating than the mystery that precedes it, you know? And that's, that's a really a really good a really good aspect for a thriller when it's when it, it when it hits home and you're still kind of thrilled and terrified and taken aback by it that's yeah amazing you know and that's Stacey Gregg's debut feature um and if you can access I'm not sure if people can access the Q&A that she did at Galway afterwards unless they've already had bought a ticket at the flower but it's really really worth hunting out um she's one to watch for sure um Andrea Riseborough pulls off a very very convinced in accent i mean like andrea is not irish um she's from if i'm if i remember correctly she's from wall's end originally in, and it's the in hardest Townside. accent to do without sounding like a leprechaun <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um andrea is great though she's a really really great actress like i've always i've always been a fan um but that was great. That was definitely, I think, my favorite film of the festival. Um, I also watched a really powerful documentary called Pure Grit, which was about um, a Native American girl whose dream was to race horses, do this bareback racing that they, um, that's part of their culture. 
Um, it's a story that follows these characters over years and just shows their grit and determination, I suppose, to, to follow the title. Um, mm. Probably worth mentioning as well that there was an Irish London film, um, not to confuse people further on, on our name or anything, but like there was a film which uh, one of the directors was Irish. It's a film called A Brixton Tale. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, one of the directors of that film was Irish and it was featured in the official selection at the FLA. Uh, that was good fun. Uh, that held me all the way through. Um, there's a couple that I missed just because I couldn't get time away from, from the kids. I missed Fosca, which is mm. the Irish language one with Donal O'Healy. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to have to try and catch up on that somehow. And I, I was really looking forward to watching Mark Cousins' new film, A Story of Looking. Mm. It's based on the book that he wrote about the same thing a few years ago. Um, yeah, and I didn't get a chance to see that. So sorry, Mark. I'll try and catch that again soon because um, re- I'm really interested in that. And because I wasn't there at the FLA myself, I didn't get to see Love Yourself Today, which is the the new Damien Dempsey Um biopic i suppose mm. um that, that that played live at the festival it wasn't online uh so it had like a, a theatrical public screening um i have seen the film but i'd just love to see it with other people yeah it's, it's i'd say it was very magical to have that exactly in person yeah it's it's just it's a film when that comes out and i know that it's slated for release around october november this year when that comes out that's going to be a special magical moment mark my words that's going to be a really really impactful thing mm. for people if you have ears and are a person <laughs> then you will enjoy this film <laughs> oh it's a kind of like prime time for film festivals it's just like totally. there's so much going on and also it's a good sign of it's a sign of a good festival when you didn't get to see everything you wanted to because it was just too much you know it's a good um, point yeah, and point. I it think, makes me feel less bad about not seeing everything. Exactly, exactly. And I think the next one, uh, next film festival lined up is the Edinburgh Film Festival. That's right. Yeah. Um, so there is some Irish representation at the Edinburgh Film Festival as well, which is relevant to today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Bright Side is in there, uh, directed by Ruth Meehan, which is our podcast today. And there's also everybody's talking about Jamie, which is going to be a lot of fun, which Sharon Horgan is in. I'm very excited for that. That will be fun. And uh, and you were saying Martyrs Lane as well with Den- Denise Goff is, is in there. That's right. Yeah. Honorable mention for Martyrs Lane because uh, yours truly was the production manager on it a couple of years ago. I um, mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And when we um, when we were talking a few weeks or months ago about um, going back to the cinema for the first time, um, the film that I went to see was like a cast and crew screening of Arthur's Lane at the Riverside in Hammersmith. Oh, amazing. that's that's fairly satisfying now for your first cinema <laughs> experience back to go to a film that you were working on. That's yeah. very cool. Do you know what it did? It really it really helped to condense the time between finishing the film and like being in lockdown and all that stuff you know mm. it helped to sort of like because the, the last time I saw that massive group of people that we shot the film with was one of the last like jobs that we did before Christmas that year wow. and then to be able to go back into the cinema and you know we're all wearing our masks and social distancing and all that kind of stuff but like to be in there and to be able to stand in the room with them and all again it was very sort of a normalizing experience I guess yeah definitely definitely that actually kind of reminds me then as well of 
Another film festival that's coming up, a very exciting one, is the Toronto International Film Festival. And I know a film that we're going to chat about um, called Wolf. I know that that was the first independent film supported by Screen Ireland to shoot during COVID-19. Um, once the production was uh, like all safely done and everything, I thought I think that was one of the first kind of ones back, which was really cool. Yeah, I'm nodding enthusiastically over here. Yeah, Wolf. Um, so Wolf is a film by, and I hope I pronounce her name correctly, Natalie Biancheri, um, an Italian director. It's her second feature film, but it features, um, Lily Rose Depp, George Mackay, um, and our friends Lola Pettigrew and Fiona O'Shea. Are both in it um and a few others um martin mccann features i believe so it's also worth me mentioning if you are listening to this on its day of release which should be tuesday the 17th of august in the year of our lord 2021 then <laughs> this very evening this very evening we have got a screening of Emma reynolds brilliant documentary songs for while i'm away uh, a biopic film around the life of Phil Linnett of Thin Lizzy fame. Um, that's at the Bertha Dock House at 6.20pm this evening. Um, but if you're a person from the future, then you can try and come down to that the, the following weekend, that following weekend, come down the, come down the same weekend to... That's uh, not the, confusing at all. Not, not at all. Just come yeah. to the cinema, guys. Come on. Um, come to the Rio in Dalston on Saturday the 21st and um, you can try and catch the 8th, which if you have listened to any Irish Film London chat this year at all, you should know is a documentary about the repeal of the 8th Amendment in Ireland. Um, it's great, a great documentary. Very powerful. Um, both of those have director Q&As um attached to them by the way and then on sunday if you want something that's not a documentary necessarily we've got a selection of short films that are playing at the rio on sunday afternoon um specially selected for these august screenings that we're doing and because i'm talking about the august screenings i am duty bound to mention that they are the result of some funding that we got through from the bfa film audience network via a program called film feels hopeful and our screening series is imaginatively titled The Irish for Hope, um, responding to the idea that we all want to feel hopeful. That Hopefully we are feeling all a bit hopeful in emerging from a difficult little period. And we're celebrating at Irish Film London by dragging you into the very hopeful space of like a dark room where you can all sit face in the same direction and watch some pretty images. Um, but yeah, come and join us and drop everything what you're doing and go yeah. and book tickets. Well, listen to the podcast podcast first and then go and book your tickets. That's the perfect that's the perfect scenario for me really. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And another film that's going to be in I think it's the 46th Toronto International Film Festival which is wow. very cool. But another Irish film that's going to be um premiering there is Irish horror film You Are Not My Mother. Um, so congratulations to writer and director Kate Dolan um, and to the team of You Are Not My Mother. Um, this film was part of a funding scheme from Screen Ireland to support new and emerging female filmmaking talent with distinctive voices. So its world premiere is going to be on in the Midnight Madness programme at the festival in September. And it's 
which is really cool. One of six selected for the Midnight Madness from wow. around the world. Yeah, so very, very impressive all around. That's excellent. Yeah, I can't wait to see that as well. That's That sounds really exciting. So that's um, Kate Dolan's first feature. And then another lady who's just done her first um, feature, this seems like a theme in, in our <laughs> chat today, is Ruth Meehan, who I chat to today in today's episode with actor Gemalia Devro, who stars in The Bright Side, which is about a female comic who learns she has breast cancer. And it's a really touching relatable story and i have a lovely chat with the two ladies and i hope you all enjoy it thanks jerry thanks nave okay welcome ruth and Gemma leah to the irish film london podcast so delighted to have you both on with us today hello hi <laughs> First of all, I just wanted to say congratulations on a beautiful film. Um, it's full to the brim of gorgeous perform- performances and meaning. Uh, it's also particularly impressive because it's Ruth's debut feature film. And um, so Ruth, I see, um, I saw at the end that it was inspired by, uh, I want to get this right now, Anne Gilday's memoir, I've Got Cancer, What's Your Excuse? And it was also dedicated to Alacoque and Mago. I hope I got those right. And Warrior Women Everywhere. So Ruth, talk us through the process of book to screen when you first came about the project, dealing with it with such care and respect, and then also like alongside your own inspiration and life experiences. Well, thank you so much for uh, the lovely uh, compliment for the film. I'm delighted that you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it's been a long old road to get to here. So finally, it's going to be released um, later this month on the 20th with breakout films here in Ireland. And hopefully people in the UK will get to see it as part of the Edinburgh Film Festival online for a few days on the 20th. Um, but it started um, many moons ago. Um, I kind of think it was 2014 or 15. And wow. uh, my it's Alaco and Mago, where it was my sister and my best friend. And they both had very unusual names and they were very unusual <laughs> women. <laughs> Um, and I guess um, I, it was a year after I think Alaco had died and I was going to India uh, to uh, kind of recover. I think I was probably grief struck, but you know, you don't, I didn't probably realize it. And I just picked up um, a book of Anne I saw in the airport on the way, Angle D, and she was in college with me. And um, it was just wonderful. I just thought it was so irreverent and funny and um, honest actually. And I didn't, at that point, I was working with Jean Pasley, who wrote the film with me. We were trying to find a way, a story to write. And I really didn't think I was in any great space to write. And um, I thought, I, so when I came across the book, I wasn't thinking of it like that. I was just reading it and enjoying it in India. And, uh, and it was actually the humor and also, like I said, the honesty, and it made me feel kind of close to my sister, I think, because she had a wicked sense of humor. And I had this feeling that I kind of connect to her, not not just tonally, just some way through the material. And I, I wrote to Anne when I was in, in India and I wrote to Jean and I just said, uh, uh, like, and I think there's, you know, you've been through an awful lot. I've been through a lot. Maybe there's something we could do with the, not, not her, like the character she was, the, the Kate's character that Gemalia played is is based on on the uh, Anne's character, but the story is a creation of of Jean and I. So it's not a uh, kind of biography of her or, 
but I would like to think it has an emotional truth for all the women who are the storytellers that are part of this film, um, which is what we were, I guess, really um, looking for and do, where our focus was the whole time. Um, and that's how, how you know, it came about really, myself and Jean optioned her book and then Screen Ireland were really supportive in helping developing, uh, develop the project over a couple of years. It, it, it always takes, it's always surprising how long it takes to develop something and you kind of think, are we all take, why can't we just write something and make it? <laughs> and yet, you know, I, you know I, I hear about novelists and they write like a thousand page novel and then they do a rewrite and then they're done. And you're kind of going, you know, scripts, well, I guess scripts are more like design and more like poems and they're more like music and they're, you know, they're very, um, they're made, it's an like, it's an amazing craft and art form itself. So um, the good thing about this one was I felt we were always moving closer to it. Sometimes uh, you can feel like you're just moving in circles or treading water or going in the wrong direction. Whereas with this, it seemed to come a little, show us a little bit more as we went, which is, really um you know makes it makes it bearable to be honest makes a very difficult process were um, there times over the process and uh, and development of just kind of you going oh, here let's just pack it in like that frustration kind of getting too much or was it always like no we have to do this we're gonna keep following suit and and keep the faith do you know this was the first i've developed a couple of features over the years this was the first one where I, from the from the moment I picked up Anne's book, something in me went, I'm making this. Like if I have to feckin' bend reality, I have to make it on sellotape. <laughs> like it was just a case of how were we going to do it? I, I, I just felt from the start, this is, and maybe, you know, we don't understand the emotions that are running the show sometimes. And perhaps I was, you know, rocket fueled on grief for all I knew. Do you know, like you don't know where that kind of, every time a disappointment happened which of course it would with every project things come together and fall apart I just kept thinking okay well that's not happening so that's just not part of it you know I just really felt this one was coming um and uh yeah so I got disappointed of course when things were delayed or they didn't but but I also I did feel there was a lot of support for it from the start especially with Screen Ireland so um you know, there was, if something wasn't working, it was a sense of how to make it work rather than let's dump this. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. Just that, that's so great. A support system, a strong support system is just so important pre and during and post kind of any, I think any creative um, experience, but definitely I think with, with getting films off the ground, Irish films off the ground, because it's, it's so difficult. Um, and Gemily, I wanted to chat about your character, Kate, obviously. Um, she has a moderately successful career as a comic in the sense that people would recognize her, which would be quite, quite rare for kind of, you know, comedians. Um, so kind of to have that slight celebrity status, even if it's only in Leitrim, um, is, uh, is quite cool. But um, there's also a strong sense of Kate feeling quite lost and misunderstood as a woman in her mid thirties, which I really enjoyed because I really liked seeing a woman not having it all together at that age, which was quite refreshing to see mm -hmm. on screen. Um, mm -hmm. So what was it that kind of attracted you to Kate and how did you come about the bright side? 
Uh, I came away the bright side the same way as everyone does. You know, your agent puts you up for something. Actually, Amy actually uh, really fought for me, Amy Rowan. She had really loved my work uh, and put me forward. And I don't think Ruth, no, to be honest, you really, she really wanted me at all. I don't think I was in, I was in her mindset, really, to be honest. And then um, I sent a tape in and Ruth wanted to meet me. Um, so dark if I go horse. back to kind of the dark horse, always the dark horse. But the thing is, I really, if I go back to the, the start of when I got the script, when I read the script, everything about it there was just so much that I related to I mean Kate in general as exactly what you're saying you know in the 30s not having everything together someone who kind of as well has so much anger can't find her purpose doesn't really know where she is in life um it just is really lost you know and I think in general as well there's not many female roles you read that I mean this I don't know as soon as I read the script I was like I have to play this part like I just knew it would push me to every single limit and I kind of really wanted to go on the journey with her from the start so I I, I yeah I don't know, I gunned for it basically. And I met, I finally got to meet Ruth and I met Ruth, did the audition. And then I think I was like meeting them, I don't know, it was the third or fourth time. I think by the fourth time I was just like, why aren't they giving me the role? I can do this role. I like, I need to do this. Like there was something in me that needed to do it. I don't know, there was just something I was so connected. And then when I met, they, yeah, they, they offered me right then and there, which I think I started crying at the time. So I was like, oh my God. Um, and then it's funny, as I always say, you gun for the role and then you're so happy when you finally get it, but then you actually have to do it. So it's a whole, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? You have to kind of put yourself into it. But I, I don't know, everything about the script, the fact it's, it's so, I mean, Ruth just did such a brilliant job in writing it. And you really did, Ruth, you know, and everything, all the characters are just so, people you know, you know, people you know, and completely relatable and... I just think Kate as a person as well, there's so much about her that's flawed, which I love, you know? I mean, and I got to do and say such horrible things and such crazy things, but you know, that's the thing about this script, one minute it's really, it's it's really funny and the next minute it's so heartbreaking. So I don't know, to go on the journey was amazing. And I knew as well, you know, I'd be, I was shaving my head for it and there was just so many places. And I kind of feel as me and Ruth always say, we kind of jumped off it together and kind of said, we're going to do this and we're going to do it together. And I kind of really felt like that. And I haven't had many, like if any project like that, where, you know, me and the director are just so entwined in this story and we're both giving it our absolute all to make it, you know, work. And, you know, that's all you can do, right? With the scripts and any part, give it your all. And if it turns out Trump's, then you're kind of happy. So exactly. And I think like Kate was just so refreshing to me in the sense I, I saw a thing during the week on Instagram and it was like the top 10 kind of powerful scenes and it was these 10 scenes from these um kind of Hollywood films of just 10 different men you know like really well-known uh, male actors just shouting you know yes, yes screaming yes. and yes, yes. uh if that was like previous you know if that was a woman it would be irrational or emotional or you know all this kind of stuff and I think to that particular scene I'm not going to ruin anything for the um people who are going to watch it but that particular scene with Kate in the lake you know, where she just kind of lets loose and just kind of says these awful things and, you know, and for it not to be branded as, you know, an emotional woman or, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about or, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just like, no, I'm actually, this character is just really going through stuff and this is what's coming out, you know. Yeah, and just but, a you human know. being. Yeah, just an absolute human being. But also that, I mean, the whole scene absolutely tore shreds out of me. I was, mm. <laughs> That was the last scene we shot on the movie. Um, oh, and yeah, and we were trying to get the magic out because the light and, and whatever. And then we stopped and I was bawling, crying and everyone thought it was because we rapped, but I was like, yeah, actually tore bits of my soul away to do it just was it, it, like I gave so much to that see I just think as well it's just such hideous things that I'm coming I don't know anyway 
no definitely I, mean, I haven't seen it but you know it tore bits of my soul I doing it and and uh, but then at the same time when you're you're Kate you know when you're that character was so engrossed in Kate at that point it, that's what I needed to do as well do you know it's kind of like this vomit that she needs to get out so um yeah but I do think that's so true there's you know women are always portrayed in, in so many things and it's changing it is changing you know like even when I watch certain things back now you see how far we've come we have so much further to go but there is there is a huge change in everything in roles that are coming out and women being allowed to be messy instead of you know if they're angry instead of them being bitchy it's just that you know what I mean there's just so many different things happening with everything at the moment with the world and the way the women are perceived so I think and I think this script definitely has that fellow but I was uh, just that scene as well and I know but there were scenes when we were writing and sometimes Jean and I wrote together and some scenes we wrote but I remember I, I, that one in particular I, and I remember writing it and going no 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 she can't say that that's you know she can't say that and like what it's so interesting because I was kind of I would never <laughs> like I, I you know there's the difference between the writer and the character and I remember standing up from the desk and go walking away no 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 and they're going well she is because that's where she is and that's mm. where the, and um there was a couple of scenes like that where she was behaving in ways that I really thought were objectionable <laughs> disagree you really disagreed with I, I disagree, disagree with, with this yeah I was like no don't do that you know don't please don't do that and um um and, and that's probably the most interesting um and <clears throat> Yeah, like it is. I I think that's when a piece of work is is speaking itself, you know. So much of it that, stays that, with you though as well. It really does. Oh my God, like I mean, so much of Kate stayed with me for weeks after. I was so angry after that film, and I didn't even realize how angry I was. I was just so angry. The I was going was with to, me did realize that. <laughs> yeah, like, very angry. I was like, oh, I know. was actually that's. I was actually just going to ask that, Emily. The the um, what was your kind of research like for like did you do a lot of research with other women you know prior to the role and also kind of how did you step out of it or maybe you didn't because like it is quite a, a, a taxing role so I imagine it's kind of hard sometimes to shake that off going home to family or friends or you know because you're as you said you're so deep into it and maybe other actors who are listening as well can can um can relate to that as well that kind of it's tough to find that separation as with writer to from separation from writer to character you know how do you mm -hmm. find that separation from actor to to uh to person uh well I think research wise is always one of my but I mean there's the process of of doing my I just love my job so like every process is great like every bit of it's great like every step of it's great because when you're doing it it's great when you're you know you're auditioning it's great but I think when you're researching I just love all the research I think with this particular one and having done roles where I've had to kind of go into places and learn how to shoot a pair in or you know with this one it's a, it's a lot more of a delicate subject that you don't want to be kind of around many people who are you know and going into places and being like I knew people obviously that had suffered from cancer um, I did a lot of research I watched a lot of things um, and really engrossed myself completely in it and then I think by the time I always make a book for a character so everything I've ever done I have a book of a character I have all my scripts Ruth will know this because me I get so weird about my book I'm like where's my book like on set I'll be like I need my book with me to be weird like I'll even be looking at lines before scenes even though I know it all it's like a really weird like it gets me into it and also just like I'll have loads of notes on things and you know pictures and everything all these notes has like in this book so I'll have all that with me and I think as regarding um, keep keeping on to the character, I mean, in this especially, we were filming full time for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm in every scene of it. And it is such a, a, a role that really pushed me kind of to, to the limit of something that, you know, I haven't done before. And um, 
so yeah I don't think I did let it go I mean I don't to be honest like by the time you get home anyway you roll into bed don't you have to work like after filming all day and then you kind of get back up again and but like I also obviously shave my head so I mean I think a lot of my, my family found that quite hard to see because I to them I just look really tired and sick which I probably really was tired and sick halfway during filming but um and I don't really think I thought I kind of had I mean I know when we filmed that last scene and that, that stuck with me all day and I really wasn't right after that scene like I really really wasn't until like the day or so after and I was like that's fine but I don't think I really realized how much she was in me still until about I think three weeks after because straight afterwards I went on kind of like a road trip around Ireland to kind of take a break kind of thing um but you know I was obviously still completely bald and people are very scary over here I don't know or anywhere really to be honest but in Ireland I don't think you see it as much and I think as well it just was really with me I don't think I really realized anyway until she kind of actually went then I was like oh actually I feel so much lighter it was a really weird disconnection numbness and anger that was just completely surrounding me so I do I'm sorry to anybody who's listening to this that was around me then because I don't think I realized how bad I was but I think it's really refreshing to for you to admit that you know what I mean and and because I think a lot of people like no yeah like I can just shake it off when I walk off set you know it's really it's not that easy and and it is taxing on you and sometimes people that you love who around you and it's a it's a tough job you know it's not just kind of dressing up and and uh, and saying your lines in in front they of a just, camera yeah they deserve a prize I should bring them out now I'm actually like <laughs> Jesus <laughs> you've said it now so if they're listening they're gonna, now, they're gonna hold don't. you to this <laughs> but you've touched on it there as well quite briefly that um I did want to chat to you about was the there's a scene where Kate shaves her head she decides to shave her hair before going into chemo and it's also a really gorgeous moment between her and her niece as well which really touched me um so yeah like talk me through that scene what was what was that process like was it was it scary or kind of you know exciting or a bit of both um I really feel that I mean it sounds like I'm going to do anything for real I won't but I really feel once it's completely based in truth I will do anything for a real and I think at the time we were all talking about the shaving of the head it was kind of something that just had to be done, didn't it, Ruth? Because I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't not have, you know, especially if you're using a ball cap and any amount of time it takes to even put them on and then you can't use certain angles and da, da, da. it just goes on and on and on. And I think it was something that needed to be done. And also it was something that really connected me to Kate, to be honest, but also as well, I mean, it's not, it's not real, you know, like I'm shaving my head. It's not, you know, you got to try and be like, it's not, you know, it's just hair, it grows back. It's completely fine. Like I don't mind pushing myself to those places. And I think it did completely help. I don't know if you thought that route, but I definitely think it helped connect everything, you know? I know we had a lot of discussion beforehand because yeah, of course. I wasn't even, I wasn't asking lightly either because I thought it was, it's a really big deal um, for anybody. Um, But I think we knew that there was no way to fake that on our budget anyway, you know, mm. and on any budget probably, you know, so, well, you know, if you have millions and millions, of, but um, I think that scene is incredible. I, I remember when we filmed it as well, Gemini. I did too. We were so upset, you know, yeah. and I think something in that, you know, action of a woman taking her hair off in front of a child as well, um, and, there is just something so poignant and real and it's part of so many women's experience when they and it is like our hair you know we can be upset if our hair hair isn't the right oh look we're looking at ourselves oh our hair look at my hair and you kind of go the nakedness and the vulnerability of that moment is is very um I think it speaks about the the loss of that um illness for people and it's not 
there's the ter there's fear of mortality and all of that but there's there's the thing about there's there's being a woman you know there's something about femininity and like not that we are our hair or we are our breasts but but the the way we feel about that and and in fact i think Anne, i don't remember the lines but in the book i think she spoke wrote about that and i i must have felt that that's that's a central connection that any woman who has been through this uh would know and i just felt the day we shot, shot it i mean i was crying you were crying there was something so upsetting just everyone about, was crying yeah, it was yeah. it was and i was making an absolute ball job but i was just like oh. you know i mean i don't want people to think that all you do in this film is watch anger and, and tears because the, the whole the whole thing is that no, she's yeah. using comedy and it is irreverent and it is you know it's it, it these are the moments we sink beneath the mask and that's what i loved about the the and what well, i think Jamalia did brilliantly as well is you know the, the comedy as the mask the exterior the the way that they the hard shell and what it takes to crack it and the love and the connection and the fun and the the humor yeah know, that it, that does that I think yeah, I think the shaving the head as well though was like it was as well liberating in a different way as well though because I do think as a woman you're kind of known for your looks or what you look like and especially in our careers as well what you look like on screen and you know I'm not me on screen I'm someone else and it's there's something about taking all, taking all that back and being just a blank canvas of just trying to show where you were so I mean there was definitely something quite liberating about it as well. But I think yeah you're completely right I don't think the whole film is about you know that's the whole that's why I love the script because it's not. Mm. There are heartbreaking moments and that is definitely one of them and one that a lot of people and you know my heart goes out to all of them that, that relate to it you know who have to do it properly you know in real life like this isn't real um but then there's also the moments that are just so funny and that's the whole thing heart you know funny and then the next moment crying so um and it was yeah. balanced really well really beautifully with um her niece as well do you know it wasn't that she's kind great. of she's so great and it would it wasn't because it could have been it is so powerful and it is a very emotional scene but I think having her there was it also made it more of a just a reality and just like this is just how things are um, mm -hmm. as well. It was I one of the first was... things we shot as well. So it was we kind of jumped of on the roller coaster and then off we went, didn't we? I mean, that was it. It was like the hair's gone. This is what we're doing. Off you go. <laughs> and in fact, when my sister died, her daughter, um, you know, was eight or something. And it is that presence of children who ask the, uh, you know, they just look and see what they're seeing. They're asking. Uh, the saying things straight out and um you know they undo us with their with their truth really you know um with just calling things and questioning them as they see them so i would love to talk about female comics um because i think female comics always seem to get a particularly hard time because as we all know women aren't funny um and this <laughs> film really feels like a bit of a punch in the guts back to that statement um, and I thought it's quite refreshing the way that Kate uses her experience with cancer as an outlet through her, her comedy. Uh, you know, she's not just talking about men and that kind of stuff that uh, that female comedians kind of get boxed into. Uh, but I did want to ask, have either of you done stand up before? Because I feel like if you've done stand up, you can do anything. I mean, it, ter it terrifies me, like, to be honest, I had to do it before and I was not good at it and I made a joke that I'm not even going to like say and uh, everyone looked scared and uh, I got off the stage and and to be, and do you know what the funniest thing about the bright side is, is that, you know, again, it's not real. Ruth has wrote this beautiful, you know, Ruth wrote this beautiful big things for me too. We did the stand up for over two days and people are paid to laugh at me and uh, I still find it terrifying. <laughs> 
so I really I have so much respect for comics like like fair play to you is because it's it's just it's a whole different thing isn't it? I think like with acting I feel like I can always jump into a character and same thing as what you're saying Ruth about like the mask I feel definitely with me I have a mask on when I'm playing a character and I'm in someone else's shoes and no one can see you know well I feel like comics I know technically maybe you're using a, a different part of you but there is definitely the mask is down a lot more it's so much it's so vulnerable so like. exposing oh yeah. my god like I mean I think one thing that I generally you you were incredibly brave in every aspect of of the role in terms of the emotional and the uh comedic and what I mean by that is thank you Ruth. like well you and you had the clue what you were doing and neither did I so like in terms of us doing stuff for the first time but I think what was very powerful about that was the way the only way you can do that and have, have half a chance of something working is if you go for it 100 percent you know and I think that I really saw you do that and I did my utmost to do that and I mean I think we saw that in each other you know mm -hmm, I mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was an incredible cast but I was asking Gemalia every day to be brave really and mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. you know years ago I did a, a a course with um what's her name acting for directors um and it was terrifying for me it's so it's you know it's all very well to say action but when you say cut you have to have something to offer you know and I was when even I mean I just found I found it wonderful to get in touch with just that vulnerability being in front of the camera and the fear and the and also the excitement I actually got a taste of oh wow this was like and it works you know and um but I was a very conscious of um trying my best to create the environment that you could that that we could be emotional or you know, and also even like that, those when we we're doing the stand up, it's like we just it, there's something but there's something powerful about just going. We're just we're not going to try and work out how do you do this correctly. We're just going to do it 100 percent, but show up and do what, what's here for us to do. Yeah, um, I, I, think, I, I, I can't work like that anyway. I mean, I, I, I you know, and I think definitely the way you work is such an actor's director, Ruth, anyway, you know, it's like you come along we, you wouldn't be like go stand there and do this it's like this is like because I, I, I'm just like creatively I'm like let me just try it and then, then you could be like don't do that <laughs> you know but even with stand-up yeah completely it was just like go up try it try it again try it again they're still laughing by the way two days later they're still laughing at me I was like great grand you know <laughs> I think the comment as well on um how much of a man's world comedy kind of is as well uh, was um really nicely kind of contrasting with obviously then the kind of crew that Kate is surrounded by with the other women in the uh, chemo but the comment of how much comedy is such a man's world mm -hmm. kind of chat to it me is. through that um as well because uh I think that was done really well like obviously the and obviously also the dark humor of you know some people get all the good drugs you know it's just some people have all the luck I just thought that was so great but um yeah what was that kind of process like well, it was very deliberate, really, because, um, I mean, Anne in her book would have talked a lot about, especially when she was doing it, it was such, a, I mean, there's a lot more opportunities, but it's this idea that women aren't funny. And I don't understand that at all. Like, you know, obviously, I don't understand that. But um, the character, to some degree, I, 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 there's a way in which she's, she's cut off from her femininity, her female side of herself, you know, um, and she's in this male world and she's in a dark world. So she's in always in the dark, you know, or she's in her apartment, which is behind glass or suspended above the earth. Like she's constantly cut off. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm not saying 
that men are cut off and women aren't. I'm saying that she was is using this world to hide out in. And it's and so if you think about it, there's nowhere like if you think about a, 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 a breast cancer and you're going into a world of women and those women are going to challenge her. And so it to me, it's like an integration. And there's a, there's a term, I think, in screenwriting doppelganger, which is the, the people, the person the character is going to be if they don't make any shift or change in their life. And the, 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 the cynical, morbid, kind of morbidly depressed comics are who she will be if, if nothing changes, you know, and it's where her comfort zone is when we meet her. Um, but um, the, there's, I guess, I've always observed here as well in Ireland with our humor, and I'm cultured in it myself, which, and I love it. Um, and yet at the same time, there is a deep cynicism in the, in, in, uh, at the heart of it, which is self-protective shell of whether it's self-effacing or smarter than witty. You know, witty means I am demonstrating my smarts. And sometimes it can feel like a pissing competition. And, you know, and, and I, I think women shouldn't, I, that's, that's great for men because they, they love that. And if you're a woman and you love that, great. But there's lots of other ways to be funny. And just because our, our, like, if you look at in the film, the ways the characters are funny together even are different, you know, it's a different humor. And so, I mean, for me, I haven't even thought about it until you asked, but I think maybe there's a question around um, diversity of humor, you know, uh, and it's dominated by maybe a particular kind. There's nothing wrong with that humor. But is that the only kind of humor? And she's slotting into a place where she's the life is being, you know, is just like etching out of her. So it's what does it take to bring that life back into her? And and for the humor to be real, like she has laughs with the women that are genuine and full of life and connect her, you know. Um, whereas the lads who are hilarious, the three, you know, not to ruin anything, but this you know, recurring comedians and they're very funny and they were brilliant. And then, um, but it is all one-upmanship, you know? Um, and I think as, as but I think Irish, obviously women are hilarious, but I just think Irish women are so funny. And even when, like there was moments in the film where I can't imagine it was like, this is a funny bit. And it was actually like, for me, the receptionist at the, um, at the so hospital was so great and she like we all know we all know a receptionist like that like a girl like that um and I just thought she was so great but um so She's but then fantastic. so so great but then moving on to the to the women then so the tribe of women in the chemo room um kind of Ruth chat me through the the casting process for that because I imagine it was so important to get that balance of um kind of chemistry through all the women and uh, all the different characters and the mm. clashing or if there is kind of the right amount and and that kind of stuff yeah I mean I guess when Jean and I were writing the the they're all obviously completely uh, created by us and it's like anything, it's like they come through and when they start to come through, they're a bit two dimensional and they're like, oh, that's kind of stereotype of this kind of woman or that kind of woman. And then you just dig like, you know, you dig into them and go, okay, who are they really? And what's really going on in their life? And, you know, I think it's probably similar to an actor's process where you, you just really have to understand them. And so what might look like a two dimensional, okay, spoiled middle-class, um, you, you know, woman 
Dublin, South County Dublin woman, you just dig in and go, well, what's going on in her life, in her family, in our, our older rural Irish woman, or, you know, you know, gay woman. Like, it's, it's like, once you give the characters their own real, like any writer would know that, I guess, once you give the characters their real um, identity and their own worlds, and then you put them together, then there's the chemistry. And then when you're casting, um, I found the casting process so fascinating. And, um, you know, I hadn't cast a feature film before and I worked with Amy and also Tony Deegan, who produced the film, I think was fantastic in terms of, it was like, we, have, we had a very similar sensibility. It was like a hot cold button. And one of the things I learned was that, you know, you see a lot of actors and they are all good and they're just bringing a different option to the part. But I would be a believer that a creative process or project has its own pulse. And my job is to match the character of that pulse to the best of my ability. And so as soon as I saw Gemily's self-tape, I don't even, I don't think we saw you four times, Gemily, because I remember just looking at the self-tape and you like you didn't look like anything, did I? I apologize for that. Because as soon as I saw you, I thought, well, now I can make the film. By know? the third time, it's so funny because at the third time, I was just like, I was on to my agent. I was just like, for God's sake, I need this part. <laughs> They're I making you work for part. it. I really do. Yeah. But then that well, was when I, I just... went in and they talked loads for ages. And I think I read again and then you offered me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was so interesting because it was a, my over, I do remember the feeling I had was relief. Um, and that was, that was, and, and like generally at that time had her hair dyed blonde and you were like, I, I, it was it pink. It could be it was pink. It was probably blonde or pink or something. It was more that um, just felt, I felt her off of you. And there's a big relief. If you don't have that, you are going to walk into very, as a director, you know, you, you have to have that because every single day is built on that. So if you don't have that sense that you have matched the character to the role and the actor to the role, like it, it can then take all sorts of shapes. It can change. It's not like it's, it, it can morph, it can, but it has got that fundamental match pulse that matches it. For you, for the, for the part, like another director would make equally powerful film with another actor and a different uh, um interpretation of that story so it's it's it, firstly to be true to what it is that you as a storyteller are feeling off of the work and then matching the cat the actors and the and and everything that you pass that you're making is just listening to that and going is this part of this story you know and i felt that very strongly and i felt about all the cast actually so i mean and that's one of the reasons why i think we were able to move fast shoot fast and get very nuanced emotional work because I think those every single cast uh, was able to connect to that pulse for what, whatever that pulse is. Absolutely. And I think the yeah, OK, all of the women all had their own little thing, but every they all felt so fleshed out without taking away from Kate's story um, like they were so vital to Kate's story and oh god yeah, even yeah. the um I actually really loved the parallel of Kate's mom in a way to kind of Fiona because you know like off the bat like that you would go kind of your South Dublin woman maybe was cares about what she looks like and all that so again it's another comment on judging people before you know them and then another kind of relatable thing all of the women are so relatable but another thing as well with 
Helen, played by Dave Lacrati, you know, who regrets things in her life, really speaks to a lot of people of, of you know, re regrets in their life and trying not to have as many. And then also then with uh, with Roisin, I think everyone, we all have a Roisin in our lives, you know, the kind of the, the wise old owl to, to go for to advice or, or for uplifting. Um, so I just I thought the dynamic of all the women was really beautiful. And there's a really strong sense of kind of sisterly solidarity and and um and camaraderie so um ruth i know that before the bright side you did the tv series of her story uh ireland's epic women so dealing with stories about inspirational women is well in your repertoire so um i'd love to ask the both of you maybe ruth first if you had women in your life that have gotten you through hard times or have uh, been of inspiration absolutely absolutely um you know one of the it's funny uh, in losing my sister i had a, a really strong realization the difference between heartbreak when you go through it alone and when you go through it with other people is night and day you know and it doesn't take away from heartbreak heartbreak is heartbreak and grief and loss and and um, and we all go through it differently and we all react differently but um my you know both my my brothers and my sister I think we were, were we were for like for better or worse we're very close siblings and like my I remember my brother saying at one point you know you cut one of us and the others bleed <laughs> it's like it's not healthy like I'm sure psychotherapists would say we're meshed or like whatever we have we ever but at the same time um I'm very close to my older sister Deborah as well and um and Mago who I lost was a dear friend but I have had been very fortunate in my life to have uh had and have really good female friends and um you know I, I heard something a, a couple of years back uh, some podcast some neuroscientist kind of shit I listened to <laughs> he was talking about why um the diff like meditation came out of the east and he was saying however it doesn't work for women the same way now uh, he, he said the reason being that there are certain chemicals released in the brain of a man when he meditates and the equivalent is for women is other women and I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Now, this may all be, I can't even quote who it was. I did hear it, but I, uh, um, whether, but, and I, you know, I meditate like the next, I love uh, trying, I love stillness and I love all of that. But I do think that there is um, a, a healing and a, uh, an exchange of energy, put it that way, between women. That men don't need the same in the same way. They don't crave it, and they they like it, they like co their company in a different way. But there's this fate, full on connection and intimacy in a funny way, and it's often very much fueled in humor as well, and and also oversharing and you know how you know you meet two women meet and it's like how fast before they start to overshare about their person. <laughs> And then they're comfortable. Okay, now I've told you about my just boyfriend. put them in a bathroom at a at a, at a <laughs> yeah. club or at yeah. a bar, and, and you got I, best I, friends for life. Yeah, and and there's there was always a quality of that that I felt was in the recipe for this film, um, and it does get you know we're talking about there's so many different types of cancer, and you know you're talking about breast cancer, which but whatever disease or illness or heartbreak or fucking awfulness that we all go through, just to have um for men to have women and for women to have women men have each other in a different way but there is something in that come here i'll hold you you know and just be with you or 
you know, or I'll, I'll tell you what's what and challenge you, you know, and put you in your box or I'll make you laugh. Like there is a quality to that companionship, that company, that connection or that, um, that is, I think the pandemic has really also highlighted, you know, how much we miss that when we don't, it doesn't even take much, a small bit of it, but without it, it's like your oxygen's dried up, do you know? And, and I don't, and, you know, I don't like huge generalizations because I think ultimately we're all humans. We all need love. We all need connection, do you know? But there is something about camaraderie of female women um, and what they can do for each other in, and do do for each other and for children and men. And, you know, maybe it's that maternal stuff. Agreed. And Gemma Leah, can you follow that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can follow that I mean I mean to me like my most inspirational woman in my life is my mom which I'm sure everyone probably thinks their mom's the best and you know but my mom's just um a really determined little cookie she's like any pints like she's tiny and she's always glamorous and she always wears heels and she's just so creative she's a hairdresser and she's always just reached for the stars and nothing's ever stopped her you know and she's accomplished so much in her life and she's always just been like do whatever you want to do and go after a dream and I always wanted to be an actor and never wanted to be anything else and everyone always told me it was ridiculous and you know in school it was like get a real job and all this stuff and and she was always just the person who's always supported me through everything through every bad audition to every good audition to the highs and the lows and and kind of just you know life is for the taking she's just taught me so much she definitely be the person that I would say is my most inspirational I'm sure maybe your mothers are both I don't know <laughs> but yeah. um, to me anyway she is you know she's like my rock as well and she keeps me grounded and um, and she's always just so excited I just yeah I don't know she's just a loving person so that's I know but I'm also I have loads of like amazing women friends I don't have many friends I have really good friends and I have loads of women that I'm surrounded by as well who are there for all the highs and lows as well so I'm, I'm very very blessed with the people who are in my life um and you know who knows there'll probably be more coming in and out because that's what happens in life you meet people that come in and out exactly yeah. I always call my mom my walking CV so I mean if you can't have that you know like we Stand just go in there and tell everyone yeah, yeah. it doesn't even all... need prompting it's just straight yeah. in Neve's done this 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 and this yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. you can't ask for anything better than that yeah. um but what for like for a guy I'm so excited for so many people to see this but what would one thing that you would like audience members to kind of take away from the bright side but you know what, what I would love is that it, you know, when I watch it, I see one thing and feel one thing, but I'd love for people to just connect to it themselves. And, and it's it, that the film ha is a kind of film that create, that uh, provides a space for people to lose themselves and find something for themselves in, if that's not too esoteric, um, a desire to have but it's not that I want them to experience a b and c if anything I love when people come and say oh do you know what that was amazing when such and such happened and I go did that happen I, I didn't see <laughs> that wasn't what I read but I, I often think really good pieces of work have that capacity that they're depending on the lens you're looking at or the way you're feeling then so I, I would love for it to have that capacity for people that they find something in it that that it affects or give some something yeah I'd probably just say the same thing to be fair I think that's like it's like what do I look for when I go to see a piece of work and I think for it to to go on a journey to get moved and then some sometimes for it to stay with you and whether it's a bad thing or not because sometimes you see things and you're like that was a piece of but and you can be like going on about it but that's still done something to you right so mm. I don't know I feel like um and obviously I hope people don't do that when they see this but I'm hoping that they like you know 
that it moves them somewhere or or speaks to something because as well you know and it touches on so many subjects cancer yes you know friendship yes depression yes you know lost lost people being lost especially with covid as well everyone's isolation, so like lost isolation everyone's so lost and everyone just needs to talk to each other and be there for each other and be kind you know and so hopefully if people to go me, see it they come away moved with something you know get something out of it basically that's what i'd like i mean to me it's a it's a film about surrender actually um and i'm not saying i, I don't even know if anybody else would find that a better but it's what it it's it's kind of what she goes through in order to say yes to being alive and um i just feel like that's what i took that's one of that speaks to me a lot from my own experience of of great loss you know is um that just living on to what degree can we live unconditionally can we look to what degree can we still kind of go right you lose you're heartbroken you've lost something or you know you're grief struck or you're whether it's huge disappointment or pain but 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 can you then you're okay it's utterly mysterious you know it's an absolute mystery so am i going to throw my toys out of the cot because i i i it's not working in the shape that i want or am i going to go with it and i i feel like that's the central question for me that i was exploring and that now somebody else watching the film will probably get something entirely different you know um so yeah i think as well for me as a viewer especially after the last year and I love that it's not about COVID, which is great, but it actually felt really relatable oh, yeah. after this last year is that no matter how awful you feel, you know, physically, mentally or environmentally at the moment, like that, as you said, like to 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 just be in the moment and push through that, like it can it will be OK. And I think that is such an important message to put out. Um, and I think that was just done really beautifully. So thank, thank you so you. much. Thank I you. used to be embarrassed about not being nihilistic, you know, because if you're a really good filmmaker, life is shit and then you die. And, you know, then you'll go to Cannes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it's, not, it's like the idea of any kind of things will be OK has been cannibalized by Hollywood in a and in, in a way, I feel it's important to take back the fact that my my experience of life is that the closer you go to emotional pain, the more chance there is of going in it and through it and in, out and into into peace. And that, that, you know, that can be trite, made trite. But actually, if it's not made trite and if it's if, if it's tracked correctly, you know, or expressed correctly, maybe to me, that's what I'm interested in, in life and in art. You know, I mean, everything else is just a repetition of the same old shit that you do day in, day out. So that's not interesting. The interesting is the moments when, when will you do it differently? Mm. And, um, and um, yes, so anyway. <laughs> that's, that's a cliche, though, isn't it? Cliches are there for a reason, right? Like everyone's always like, oh, the cliche. It's like, well, because, yeah. you know what I mean? Life is hard. You have to go yeah. through it, you know? Exactly. So when can uh, people see it? Uh, it's going to be coming out soon. Uh, in Ireland and kind of online in the UK as well. Ooh. Tell us about that. Well, it's uh, release date is 20th of August here in Ireland. And coincidentally, it's part of the Edinburgh Film Festival, uh, which is fantastic. And it's getting its UK premiere. And that's two screenings on the 19th and 20th, same day. And then 72 hours uh, online afterwards, people can buy in the UK. It's geo-blocked the UK. So people in the UK can 
see it for those couple of days um, if they if they um, so wish, which would be great. Love the people who might be listening to this to go and I hope they feel inspired to go watch it. I think everyone needs to know what was said in the lake now after this story. We've done a really nice little kind of cliffhanger there. You need to go and watch what was said in the lake. Um, but Ruth and Gemalia, thank you both so much for coming on to the Irish from London podcast. And I wish you both the best with this, the journey of the bright side, and then just your future successes in general. And uh, we hope to see you soon at Irish from London. Fingers crossed, maybe we can do a an event in the future, a real life Definitely. event. <laughs> a real life, no, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you for having us on. Thank you. Bye. bye. Okay, bye. And that's it from us here today. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Ruth and Gemma Leah for coming on again to chat to me today. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, the whole shebang. And while you're at it, definitely also check out our current summer film programme that we have for you on our website in the Irish Film From Home section where you can watch some amazing shorts all from the comfort of your own home. And if you enjoy our podcast and our regular shorts programmes that we have for you, definitely do consider becoming a member to support us and to get free access to a lot of great films and to attend exciting events in the future. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme and Culture Ireland, who've been brilliant supporters of ours for years, Gurmila Mahaguth. The Irish Film London podcast is produced by me, Neve Brannigan. We're edited by Own Bill Cliff and our theme music is by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you.